episode 118, Video Creation Coach and New Technology. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we have Dr. Dave James, Podiatrist Perspective. Join 2017 and 2018 Podcast Awards nominated host as we get a behind the curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Every Tuesday I'm here. I'm glad you're tuning in. We are smack in the middle of a podiatry series. So far the response has been good. If you have another series that you'd like to hear about, let me know. Eye doctor, hearing doctor. Yeah, I know there's some more special terms for it, but you get it. But don't just recommend a profession. Try to throw me a name or two because some of these are difficult to find the, dare I say, guru or someone who's you know really killing it at the office. And it's like, yeah, I don't really hate coach or anything, but I've had some really good successes. I'd love to share it. So those kind of people sometimes are hard to find. Um, and I want to bring you know a lot of value. But with that being said, if you yourself feel like you have a, a good story to tell, by all means, shoot me a DM or an email and uh, let's talk. Like I mentioned, today is Dave James, podiatrist. We'll go over a few procedures that he did that I didn't know much about, like clear nail, swift microwave treatment, foot mobilization. So we'll go over a little bit of that in the very beginning, since nobody else has talked about that from the past guest. But then he's not just like a coach. His niche is actually video creation. And like when he was doing some personal development, you know, he had a challenge. Somebody was like, hey, do this. No questions. Don't skip a day. Just do it and let me know how it goes. And so he's just been doing this since about 2015. And he just wants to encourage more podiatrists to do it. Sometimes, you know, you just need somebody to not only hold your hand at the beginning, but then kick you in the pants because you're not doing it consistently. And once you get used to it, it gets easier. And then he can really help you with like ideas for content creation and all that kind of stuff. I really like later on in the show, the schedule that he says you should do to begin with to get started. Also an idea about banding your profession together to do like a social media blast and how that can work for everybody. Even if you like don't agree with certain parts of maybe the infographic or, you know, if someone does a video and you're like, well, I like everything except that minute 1.42. You know, so you know what I'm talking about once you listen. And if you like that idea, I say take it, implement it in your field. Let the eye doctors, the optometrists unite and make a social media blast across America and the world about whatever you want. We even cover pricing, not of his services, but of actually your clinic prices. It's always fun to see, you know, should you stay in the middle? Should you be higher? Should you figure out kind of what your value is and then work backwards? So we'll go over his view on that. He lists a whole bunch of people, whether it's books or other podiatrists that are making waves that have caught his attention on social media. Uh, he's got a the British accent. So for me, some of the names were tough. That's why I didn't put down a lot of his podiatry names on the show notes because I just couldn't catch them. So you might do it better than I do. If you do, let me know. I want to share with you reviews, testimonies of things that I've heard. Here's one. PJ, he's a big fan, but he's also got a really cool story. So, you know, interviewed him and here's what he had to say. Man, uh, you are doing great work. I've, I've been listening to your, your work. Man, I mean, I admire you doing what you're doing, building the brand you're doing, reaching, bringing people together, educating us. Although chiropractic is a theme, but you are, you're obviously including marketers and influencers, and, which I really love in the medical space. I just listened to your Ben Baker interview, the marketing branding personality guy. Um, I mean, I, I've been scribbling notes, getting smarter and smarter about what he had to say and agreeing with mostly what he said, a lot of it, um, with a couple caveats from our business experience. But I, I don't know. I, I admire what you're doing. I, and I'm not ever going to try to do what you're doing. But as you know, I've started a podcast which is designed to help knee patients. And so I'm, I'm taking a card from you a little bit uh, in what you're doing with this little tiny world of knee surgery recovery. And anyway, I just, I li- I like, I just like what you're doing, I guess. I tell you what, when we included your little awesome promo, by the way, super awesome, it makes my podcast feel so much bigger because you're there. But... There it is at the at the button at the end of an interview, and it's boom. There you are. I'm just just yeah, and it it's got like oh, these guys are kind of kind of for real kind of kind of thing. So it helps me, believe it or not, having you as a an advertiser, and it's such a, an appropriate and and well connected kind of thing. All right, all the show notes can be found at a doctor's perspective dot net slash one one eight. 
Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China and Birmingham, United Kingdom. We got a great guest today. He had a practice that he just got rid of in December, so we're definitely going to want to know about that. He is now kind of switching into the uh, mentoring, coaching. He also teaches some, so he's doing all kinds of fun things. So we got a lot to talk about today. Please welcome Dave James, podiatrist. Hello, hello. How you doing? Doing great. That's a little joke, guys. Uh, the UK has a very limited way of you're supposed to say doctors or not doctors, and I don't want them to get in trouble. And I'm guessing that that could happen. So that's how I, we do it. No, we won't get in trouble. Doctors and not a protected title over here because we we have we have people who are tree doctors or tree oh. surgeons so yeah just that unfortunately our qualification doesn't give us that doctor that doctor level you are in our heart because we know what you went through <laughs> I'm, spe- I'm special in many ways yeah <laughs> very special <laughs> well i like to begin as everyone does how did you pick podiatry of all the things out there and then if you want to touch on to the you know why you ended up you know transitioning back out of it and then we'll revert back into asking you a couple of the specifics that I know you did that I don't know about and I think the audience would be curious to hear about as well like some specific stuff that you did yeah cool how long you got oh you know days four minutes Four minutes. okay four four, four (laughs) minutes you're not gonna get much for four minutes okay so well I I actually started off being a patient of podiatry first of all so Medical history, the small, yeah, the simplest terms are I had spina bifida and I had a club foot and I had two major bits of surgery before I was before I was at school. So sort of five, six, um, one to correct the club foot, one to kind of plug the nerves back in on, on my back. Um, and that was cool. That was cool right the way through school, right the way through adolescence and teenage years. And then I got to 20. And after a really cool weekend in Paris with, with my dad and a couple of his mates and plenty of alcohol, I, I did a lot of walking. And when I got home, about two days after I got home, my left foot started to become really sore. And when I looked at it, there was a huge blister underneath. And and while hopping around my mom's kitchen, I slipped over and I I banged it down on the floor and it popped. And underneath was this massive ulcer. And that's a bit of a shock when you're 20 to find out you've got a hole in your foot that you didn't really know about. So so after that, I went and saw my nurse at my local GP, my doctor's surgery, and, and she treated it for a couple of months and then just said, look, you know, I can't do any more with this. It's, it's out of my, my skill, so I'm going to refer you to a podiatrist. And the first thing I did was went, well, what's a podiatrist? And she said, look, go and find out. It'll be fine. So saw a podiatrist, and, and they were brilliant, uh, Louise and, and Paul. They, I'm, they're still friends now, and I actually went to work with them when I qualified. And, I, and they sorted out my foot. They healed this ulcer over about 18 months. And it was fine. It was fine for about seven or eight years until I, I then had another ulcer in the same place, which was, you know, as, as is always with these things, it was worse. I had infection. It, it wasn't particularly pretty at all. Now, when I had the first ulcer, I was actually a computer programmer. When I had the second ulcer, I'd, I'd, done, I'd actually gone and done nurse training and I was an A&E nurse. So I was working in the emergency department down in, in Oxfordshire. And so things were completely different. And when I, I've done about three years in A&E and I suddenly thought, you know what, what shall I go and do? Shall I, shall I carry on with nursing? Shall I, you know, go and train or something? Shall I leave healthcare? And I had a conversation with my podiatrist who I was still seeing for kind of maintenance and routine care and said, well, what about podiatry? And she said, yeah, give it a go. So I, so I went off to podiatry school for three years and, and we, we moved back from Oxford where me and, and my girlfriend at the time is now my wife were living and came back to the Midlands where all that, both of our families were from, trained to be a podiatrist. And, and I suppose the rest is history in some ways. But podiatry has been good. I've had, I got my degree. I ended up with, um, I ended up working for the National Health Service. I started my own private practice. I did a master's degree in biomechanics. You know, kind of chalked up all these really cool and interesting things. And when my practice was getting, or my private practice was getting on to about eight years old, I, I think I got to the point where I went, this isn't where I want to be. This isn't the thing I want to be doing. And I developed this very keen interest in personal development, very keen interest in teaching and educating. It's kind of one of my strong values is learning. And I thought the only way I'm going to be able to do more of this is to to sell my practice. So December of last year, December 2018, I, I sold my practice to a, to a very good colleague and friend who, who's going great guns with it, and she's entirely suited for it, and have now moved into coaching, mentoring, public speaking, education, and just, just enjoy, I'm really enjoying myself. It's, it's like a natural progression almost, and 
<laughs> after having 25 years of working in healthcare, it's it's nice to see that progression moving forward. So, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting career so far. That's really interesting because you've chose to learn multiple stages of your life where a lot of people will say, look, I'm 25, I'm, I'm done, you know. I got what I got. I'm not going back to school. And then you did it again around 31 and you went to get a master's as well. So obviously you got a, a, a drive to learn lots of different things, which is really cool. Let's do real quick. I'm curious about a few things that you offered. I've had a few podiatrists on. No one's talked about these type of therapies before. So let's let's <laughs> learn a little bit. And then uh, I want to talk about like, how are you trying to get clients and marketing and, and some of the lessons and things like that? Sound good? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. All right. Mr. Magician. That's his shirt. Foot and leg magician. That's yeah, what his shirt it's, says. It's magician, not miracle worker. <laughs> <laughs> Sleight of hand. <laughs> so, okay, there's this thing called swift microwave therapy. It looks like it's for skin lesions, for podiatry and dermatology. It's microwaves. What's going on? Cool. So microwaves, um, for anyone who kind of gets physics, microwaves basically they agitate water molecules so except as a friend of mine says it, it excites water molecules which makes an amazing t-shirt and so when we have patients with with verrucas and and, and for us as podiatrists it, it's licensed for veruca treatments what we want to do is do two things one is we want to create some kind of inflammatory response within the veruca which is where the excitement of the of the water molecules comes in but also with the heat we want to create a a, a very localized immune response and there's, there's loads. I mean, when I talk to, to patients and students about different treatments for verrucas, there's, I will often draw on a whiteboard. I'll, I'll write down all the different treatments with a nice little diagram of the skin and, and how they affect them. And out of those seven, maybe eight treatments, there's, there's probably only, let's see, there's only the first one is time. If it's not causing a problem, leave it alone. Um, you can then start looking at things like um, needling, which is where we introduce a needle into the skin under local anesthetic and uh, repeatedly, and that's good for creating inflammation. But SWIFT is really cool because it, although it's uncomfortable and painful, there's no real downtime. People can come into your clinic or your office, they can have the treatment, they can be out in 15 minutes and getting on with their day-to-day -day life. And I have to say the results I saw when I was in clinical practice were, were brilliant. I mean, we're, we're not talking 100% for anything, but certainly with the lack of downtime, with the time between treatments, which is usually a month, and say between three and four treatments, you get some really good resolutions. And it's nice to have a, a really modern, contemporary piece of equipment out there which you can use for treating the, these skin lesions, which are, yeah, verrucas are a nightmare to treat. They, they, they do their own thing. They really do. Is that like a... Is that a UK term for something else or is that something that like podiatrists would know? I'm not really sure what a veruca is. Veruca, so plantar wart, uh, human papilloma. Oh. Yeah, we, 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 we make, well, I don't know whether we make up words in the UK. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we do, I don't know. But yeah, so veruca would be a, you know, a wart or a human papilloma virus on the, the plantar surface of the foot. Okay, perfect. Now we're on the same page. Yeah. We, got, that, we gave it a go. No, you, we, we gave it a go. Like, who does that? that? Nobody does that. You can take that bit from the from the end and put it at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. We'll just leave them confused for a little bit. <laughs> okay. That's great. Now we got a clear nail, which looks like micro penetration with medicine. Yeah. What's that for? Yeah, it's, it sounds really exciting, doesn't it? The, <laughs> the simplest way to put that is if we're treating a, a fungal nail. So... You know, it's a nail which maybe has had some trauma or some damage and a bit of athlete's foot fungus has got into it and it's started to change the, the nail plate and the nail bed. What the clear nail does is it allows you to drill small holes through the nail into, well, so I'm not, I was going to say into the nail bed, I don't mean that, it's not into the nail bed, it's through the nail to allow you to put a chemical straight away through to the nail bed, which is where most of that fungal infection of the nail is. Most so you actually get to the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Most treatments are you kind of thin the nail down and put it on the top, but yeah. it, it's you know it's recumbent on actually the, the that medicine being able to penetrate through the nail, which it generally doesn't do. Or you're looking at oral medication, which is it's not it's not the best. You know, the the standard line is it affects liver and kidney, but I, I've seen all kinds of things. I've seen allergic reactions. I've seen gastroenteritis. Um, you get a change in, in, in taste. So if you like your food, suddenly your food tastes different. So the, the thing about fungal nails is, they're, they're, again, they're another thing which can be very, very difficult to treat. And 
clear analysis basically as you say it's, it's a way of getting the chemical right to where the problem is and i've seen some very good results with it some massively massively good results with it well that's good because you know we see some crazy nails you know at our office everybody's wearing sandals and and you know these patients are from the village so you see some things you're like wow you have done zero health for your feet for a long time to look like that <clears throat> yeah and so i can imagine sometimes you just need to drill in there deposit it and let the medicine actually work where it needs to be at. So that's pretty cool. Well, it takes time. I mean, you, you're looking at, um, you know, if, if a nail on average takes 12 months to grow out, you, you're looking at treatment over a, over a longer period of time just to make sure that you, you kill that fungus and, and when the nail's grown out, there's no fungus in there at all. But the, the recurrence rate of fungal nails, in, in my experience, is quite high. So even if you get rid of it, you know, get rid of it at the beginning of 2019, 2020, 2021, you might find it comes back again. So... Yeah, they, they're quite hard to treat. So that's what's kind of nice about podiatry. There's a lot of repeat business, whether it's ingrown nails or fungal nails. or they got to kind of come back every six weeks or so. Yeah, I mean, the gold, the gold standard for, for say, treating a fungal nail, in my very limited experience, is, uh, is, is surgery. Get, get rid of the nail, kill off the nail bed with a, with a chemical called phenol, and, and the nail doesn't grow back. But that's not to everyone's liking if they want something, you know, something nice to look at. But, yeah, the, a, a lot of podiatry is that – you know, those returning patients for, for maintenance. And a, a lot of our patients are, you know, retirement age, so 60 plus. We, we've got ah. aging population over here and certainly there's a need for, for foot care. And people want to have their feet looked after by, by the best possible people to do it. So, yeah, we see a lot of that stuff. Yeah. We had a lady on a while back, Dr. T, and she she's specializes in the surgeries. Like she's the person that's like, look, you didn't take care of your toes. Now I got to chop them off or maybe we can save it or like give you half a toe. You know what I mean? And so there's a whole realm of podiatry that you can go down. So it's kind of fun to always interview different people because you're like fourth or fifth podiatrist and no one's talked about this type of stuff. So, yeah, you know, it, it's it's really interesting. And that, that was, you know, my experience of getting into podiatry was from the wound care side, being, being a patient. Mm. My, my interest is, has always been MSK, musculoskeletal podiatry. But at the same time, when you're in a private practice, you, you've got to have this wide range of stuff which you can treat because you don't know what's going to come limping through your door. And, and it, it, right. it could be a nail problem. It could be a skin problem. It could be a biomechanical problem. It could be, you know, it could be something completely different. So having a wider range of skills really, really useful. And talking about musculoskeletal and those types of things, I didn't know y'all had this foot mobilization technique level one and level two. You go getter. Um, what are those? What what does that look like? So, I mean, if if we're talking about osteopathic and chiropractic techniques, so we're talking about mobilization of joints, and right. I suppose I, you know, we're we're not trained at undergraduate level in that kind of thing, but if we're one of, one of the things which we were always sold on was the, the subluxation theory, the idea that something is partially dislocated and you need to put it back. And we know that that just doesn't... That's not right. <laughs> ...doesn't cut the mustard at all. But, but it's something which you still talked about even now. But we, we use it mostly for... Oh God, I'm trying to think of a couple of patients I can give examples of. We, we use it a lot for pain modulation. So if you have somebody who has a stiffness in a joint where they're getting pain from it, my, my wife, if she ever listens to this, she has she gets a very very stiff big toe joint, and the mobilisation makes a massive difference to to her comfort. Um, that's been that's been fantastic. It's been great use for that. But also at the same time, I've got a patient who has significant scarring from surgery for a, a diabetic ulcer, which he had a yeah. while ago, and we use mobilisation for his ankle joints and also for his foot joints, and he gets a massive reduction in in load across the, the area which is scarred and he, he just gets so much feedback and it does actually help with him you can see a visual change in in the color of his feet and it, it for him it just changes the way he walks and makes him feel so much more comfortable we use it you know, i have used it in the past That's a lot fantastic. yeah and, and you know I, I i there's no way i can say as a research study that 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 you know i have researched this and it's empirical you know, it, it is empirical it's what i've seen and the feedback from him is fantastic. And I would never turn around and say to every patient that joint mobilization is this wonderful thing which does everything, but it's certainly got a role. 
And I find it really useful with patients who are going through, you know, orthotic therapy where we're changing loads. So, you know, plantar heel pain, plantar fasciitis, it can work very, very well with that while, you know, adding a loading program and a rehabilitation program and adding soft tissue work and adding orthoses. And you put all this together, it's a, it's a very powerful package. But like most things, it's not it's not that one. Not everybody. Pull out and go, I have one thing and it will sort everything out. Um, I wish it was. It would be it would be great. But. Yeah, I found yeah. it really valuable as part of my practice. And certainly from a from a practitioner perspective, it's been amazing. It's been amazing for my palpation skills, my appreciation of, of joints and a movement of joints and, and how everyone is everyone is, is different. And it, it's been really, really useful for that. And I you know, I'd say to any of my students, if, if you get the chance to do a joint mobilization course because it gives you that perspective. It gives you some a different way of looking at the foot. Really cool stuff. That's great. I mean, obviously, as a chiropractor, we, we look at that and sprained ankles. And if they don't have good plantar flexion and an extension, you know, you know, the talus is locked up. You give it a nice little distraction, and all of a sudden, they got full range of motion. You're like, okay, well, it, it's, good. It, I've, I've seen some absolutely miraculous you know, changes, which, which I, you know, which I can't, even as a foot leg magician, I can't explain. But then I've seen people where we, we've done mobilization, you know, distraction of joints, and, and nothing changes. It, it's it's a very specific thing. I mean, you know, I, I, I see a chiropractor and have done for, blimey, uh, I told someone the other day, 25 years, and they said, what, they haven't fixed you yet. But um, <laughs> my, 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 I, I'm on my third chiropractor at the same practice, probably since the time I was, it's actually nearly 30 years now, since I was sort of 16, 17, when... The, the, the spina bifida type problems, the, the lower back symptoms started to play up. And I have to say that seeing them on a regular basis has allowed me to work at the emergency department as a nurse, to, to be active as a podiatrist, to do sport and things like that. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm massively grateful for what they've done. So, yeah, it, it makes a big difference to me personally. Yeah. You know, my brother was spina bifida, but he had a like worst case scenario where it was like scoliosis and had to have a shunt in his brain and all these, this just a big mess. So it's great to see that there's a range, you know, oh, where you must have just a little hair tuft on the back or like what you had a little surgery, not a little surgery, still a major, major surgery. But, you know, after that, you're kind of like, well, I'm kind of done. I didn't have to go back to lots of surgeries and I was able to do what you want to do in life, except for that foot. Yeah, well, I, I, it, it's interesting because I had there's a group I'm in on Facebook, which is a, it's called Shine. And it's for patients or for people over 40 who have spina bifida. And I go into the group and I actually feel like a bit of a fraud because, you know, here I am with, okay, my, my foot's a bit dodgy and I've got one leg thinner than the other and a difference in leg length and, and I limp a little bit. And But on the whole, you wouldn't know to look at me that I've got spina bifida going on. There's people in the group who, like you described, you know, they've got a shunt for hydrocephalus. They are, they're, they're bed bound. Wheelchair bound. Air is 24, you know, and it's. They've got issues. They could be diapers too. Yeah, they've got issues with pressure sores and in contact. And, and you know, I look at it and go, you know what? I'm I'm doing pretty well, pretty well. And I'm in this group thinking, should I actually be here? But we're all part. <laughs> so you of need the- your own support. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, and I go I go as a podiatrist and get told off when I make recommendations. But that's that's all of the things. Oh. So. <laughs> uh- Okay, I'll just sell Mary Kay on the side. Fine. Yeah. I'll promote that thing. <laughs> Golly. Well, it's true. Oh. All right, let's switch gears. Now we're going to go into Dave the coach. Okay. He's transitioned. He's sold his clinic. He's ready to tackle it. He's teaching these kids. So what are you finding that's like your your niche? What are you? What is your mindset that sets you apart that made you think like you have something to give the, the world? I think I think the biggest mindset thing is it, it, it's going back and it's doing the inner work and, and that's a very coaching phrase. But I back in about 2015, I had some. I, I kind of realised if you think of just yourself as a, as a as a car, and and the the outside of the car was gleaming and beautiful and the wheels looked lovely and it was it was polished to perfection. It was great. But when you lift the bonnet up, the engine was just just a mess. And I realized in 2015 that, that the, the engine was a mess. And although things look good on the outside, they, they needed some work. So I've, I've done a fair amount of, of personal development and coaching. And I kind of realized that when I did all that, it made a massive difference to me as a, as a businessman. Um, it made a massive difference to me as a human being and a massive difference to me as a, you know, as a father and a, and, a, and a husband and a son and all that kind of stuff, all, all that sort of cheesy stuff which goes with it. And I found during that whole process with one particular coach, I had a guy called Danny Clark, 
that I had a bit of a, a bit of an enjoyment of video. I liked getting on video, and when I got on video, interesting things happened. People started to, to notice, and people started to pay pay attention. But when I took that a little bit further and, and went, okay, if I'm on video, if I try and turn up on video as me, as the, the authentic Dave, whether that's you know, Dave swearing, Dave ranting, Dave being nice to me, it doesn't matter as long as it's me. The friend of mine calls it the coffee version and you know, drinking tea would be the tea version for me. I suddenly found that it got really, really interesting. So I suppose based on that, my, my niche is, is more around getting podiatrists, getting people in the foot health industry to start using social media, to start using video to show the patients the real them. And that's useful because if you see somebody on video and then you see them in real life, you've already got one step closer to knowing them and potentially liking them and potentially trusting them. And if we're looking at that whole buying cycle, then you're more likely to get custom from that person because they've already gone through those emotional you know, those emotional stages. And, it, and it's it's very similar to if you have a, you know, we've just, we've just had I mean, the, the sad news yesterday that um, the, the lead singer of The Prodigy has, has you know, he's, he's died at 49. And I oh, remember, really? I didn't know that. It's a go now. You know, I like The Prodigy. They're, they're brilliant. There are some people who feel very, very close and will feel a great sense of loss because they've seen him in the media and they've seen him on TV or maybe seen him on, you know, at, at concerts. And it's that exposure to people on a regular basis before you, even if you've never met them, which creates that emotional bond. So for me, video is a massive, massive part of that. And that's my, that's my niche. That's where I, that's where I sit, trying to get people onto video more, trying to get people to, to be seen and be visible. And when they're visible, you know, truly amazing things happen, things you just don't expect. I want to go back to that. It's interesting, the news cycle that you're on, we got Luke Perry yeah, heart. he he died of a stroke like yesterday, and today is Mardi Gras that we're talking. So I didn't even know about Prodigy. He like they were kind of like had a couple hit songs to us. Maybe they're still producing music, but it's really interesting. You know, the Lincoln Park guy. I've never shed a tear for these guys. I'm like, I don't know you. You know what I mean? Like I'm not. I, I'm just not that person. That's like if I knew you, that'd be one thing. But I, I don't. I've never had a coffee with you or anything. But that's neither here nor there. Your point remains, and that's where we're gonna d- deeper into is. The video, you know, yeah. with a, like with a podcast, if I were to ever meet someone that I listen to or interview them, I feel like I know them and they don't know me from anybody. And I'm like, oh, I know about your kid. I know about this. And it's kind of an odd feeling. So when we're talking about videos, are you saying, you know, here's what a, lo- a clear procedure looks like. Here's what this looks like. Or are we talking like a selfie video, you know, walking through the park or talking about some foot condition or what are you all of the above? What do you think? All of the above. Anything okay. and everything. And I, 2017, I did a, video, I did a bit, bit of video in 2015, and I, I've just recently been to an event where they were, they're still talking about video at this, this event because people still aren't doing it. Um, it's the usual situation. You have to say it again and again and again until people get it. And in 2015, there was an event up in, up in Birmingham, and Google were at this event, and they were doing a presentation. Mm. And I came out and said, Video is going to be the future. You should get on and you should do it now. And, and something must have clicked at the back of my mind. And I went, right, I'm going to start doing video. And the first ever video I did for my business was I'd taken my youngest lad out on. He was in a bike trailer. I was on a bike. It was in Cannon Hill Park in Birmingham. I'd cycled around a bit. And then I got a selfie stick out, put it up in the air and said, right, I'm going to do a quick 60 seconds to camera. And it was the most awful video you have ever seen. It was, oh, yeah. Oh, it's terrible. I, I played it to someone recently, and I'm I'm just cringing. I'm just, you know, I'm just absolutely bundled up with embarrassment for it. And I'm my little lad. But <laughs> I won't take it down. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing my little lad go. He say hi. It's a hi. And it, it was it was just. But it was it was natural and it was good. And and so from that point, I said, right, I'm going to start doing videos which are, which I suppose are more professional. So I, I turned up not as the T version of Dave. I turned up as the professional podiatrist with a long list of qualifications and post-nominals and it got a little bit of attention you know people kind of went oh yeah that looks interesting but but it didn't really take off and then in 2017 when I took Danny my on as a coach Danny said I want you to do two two minute videos a day for 14 days he said no weekends off just just get stuck in and do it and I was like what 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 can I talk about 
you know, 28 different videos over 14 days. What can I talk about? And he said, you'll think of something, just get on with it. And it was kind of like the phone goes down and that's it. Yeah. And I went, right. So I just started doing it. So I just literally got my got my phone, got the camera on that. It was an old iPhone at the time and got my camera and just started doing pieces to camera. And it would be, I did one. I remembered why I did three videos which were talking about what to expect from a biomechanical assessment. So, you know, we take a history was one of the videos. And then we, we lie down on the couch because this is what we're looking at. And we stand you up because this is what we're looking at. And it went on from there. And it was the usual stuff, you know, what's a corn, what's callus, what's a veruca, that kind of thing. And the fear goes after a while. Once you've been in front of camera, you start to get less fearful of it. You, you become less less concerned about how you look and how you sound. And I realize that that I'm probably I probably have a face for radio and I probably have a voice for silent films, but I became more comfortable with with watching me and, and, and playing these things back. And I started to, to experiment. I started to go you know, experiment with a few more geeky techniques, a little bit better camera equipment, you know, a few cuts, a few edits, and that, that was good fun. I thoroughly enjoyed that. But I remember the, the most viewed video from memory on my Facebook page is one where I was putting tape on a Veruca. And it had over. It's, I'm, I'm sure it's coming on for about four thousand views now. And I put a bit of tape on on a Veruca. It wasn't the patient didn't even have a Veruca. It was one of my colleagues. <laughs> I go back and look at it and say, right, is that really what people are interested in? But it it showed me that actually people people are interested in education and information. And if you can give them that education and information without without any anticipation or expectation of what you're going to get back. It draws people into to your your environment, your tribe almost, I suppose, if we're if we're going to use a you know a term to describe your community. And and I just went from there. And people would say, That was a really interesting video on X. Can you do me a video on on Y? Yeah, of course I can. And then it went into the I even I even had I even had videos where <laughs> I did a series of stories on a Sunday evening where I would sit and read a children's story about feet. Um and did all kinds of things, and it was great fun. It was it was brilliant, and and that's why I, I just just love what video has has kind of done for me in terms of my personal development, but also what it's done for what, you know, what it did for my business and, and what it does for my my kind of future business. Yeah, it's great. So I started a YouTube channel. I'd have to double check, maybe two thousand and nine or two thousand and ten. And they're like, you should have videos. You know, even back then, they're like, it wasn't like now. We're like, if you're not doing Facebook videos, what's wrong with you? But um. You know, the office tour, here's all the little different things that I can do. But my first video, like you said, it was St. Patrick's Day, and I was wearing a kilt to the office, and I said, hey, this is what I'm wearing to work. And that was my first video, and I left it up there just to, you know, just as a reminder. And, uh, you know, my cooking show, sometimes I cook like Cajun Chinese food, and, you know, I was doing that for a little while, and you get some views, you get some shares, and it, like you said, it's just kind of being you mixed in with everything else that you're doing. I think it's a good thing. And it, and it, it rises everyone. And, you know, I say, I say this to, to, to my colleagues, and I've, I've, said, I've said it a lot, that if everyone is out there doing, it doesn't have to be videos, but if everyone's out there doing social media and promoting the profession and the industry, that kind of critical mass, it, it, it raises everyone. And, and we, we've had it recently with a, with, with a great, kind of campaign where over three weeks where we're, we're raising the awareness of what podiatrists can do for heel pain. And we've only had probably, I'd say it's probably 30 people maybe at the primary end of it, 30 podiatrists doing it. But the ripples it's made have been, have been absolutely amazing. Now, if you, if you take those 30 podiatrists and, and you take the 13,000, which we have registered in the UK, and they all do the same thing, just imagine that's like tsunami of social media. It, it makes a massive difference. It does make a massive difference. But at the moment, you stand out because of the video and the podcast you do. I stand out because of the video I do. Whereas I'd rather the whole profession just raised itself to a different level and was seen by, by patients, seen by customers, seen by other professionals as well. Do you all have a lot of infighting in your profession of uh, videos are unprofessional or I don't I don't agree with the heel treatment that y'all are advertising. That's why I don't want to do it. Yeah, get it. We get a little bit of it. But podiatrists are interesting. And I'll, I'll stick with the term interesting for now. We, we do. We do have we do have some debates about stuff. Um, and because it's such a varied profession from, you know, as you said before, people who are doing surgery 
you know, significant bone surgery, right the way down to people who are doing very, I suppose, very routine care and, and you know, on looking after people's simple foot problems, so, you know, nail and hard skin problems. Not everyone's going to see our profession from, you know, via the same eyes, via, you know, yeah. same spectacles. And so, yeah, we, we get a little bit of, little bit of infighting. But I think, I think one of the things for, for me about podiatry is that we maybe hold ourselves back a little bit. The, the world's moving on very, very quickly. And the standards around social media, while they're important professionally, it's important that we, we step out of that comfort zone and we do something different. It's it's a pattern interrupted, so people can actually spot us if we do something different. It makes a it makes a big big difference. But yeah, we we get we get a bit of infighting. Okay, because I was just asking because you know you got thirty people. There's thirteen thousand. I was wondering if it's like chiropractic, where you know we got a group of a, a good group of nine, eight or nine thousand chiropractors. But if we were to say, hey, we need everybody to post this amazing infographic, ah, you know how many would actually just. You just have to hit the button, just the share button. That's all you have to do. Yeah. And I didn't know if it'd be kind of like a similar thing. Well, I don't agree with this, so it's fine. Or, or even, you know, the share button. You, you can one – one of the things I find is that people aren't interested in, interested in the source. They're interested in my – almost my interpretation of the source material. So you could share an infographic and you say, look, this infographic is really good, 90% of it anyway. I actually don't agree with these bits and this here's why. But there you go. Conversation point, but you're still getting that message out there, and it's not it's not necessarily about getting every patient to come and see you. It's about getting every patient to pick the right practitioner for them. And it, you know, you have lots of lots of different chiropractors, lots of different views, lots of different podiatrists, lots of different views. Yeah, every patient suits every podiatrist, and and not every patient suits every chiropractor. And it's finding the right ones to come to you. And let's 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 turn it a little bit. You have to market yourself, whether it was for your practice or for, it's for your coaching. You got to get your name out. Obviously, you're doing some podcasting. I assume that you're doing video. And if so, how are you tailoring your message uh, for your marketing for that? For the, for the podiatry side it's, and, and for the coaching side, it's, mo- it's about offering value. It's about saying to people, you know, here is something I have learned. It, it, it is yours. You can, you can use it. You can do what you want with it. I want you to use it to, to promote you and promote the profession. Then once you've got that in place, people start to get interested. And most of the time what people need support with certainly for coaching is the implementation side. People are not very good at taking action. You know, we, 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 we use the term I, I know a lot. So you say something to somebody, oh, I know that. But, but the question is not oh, do you know it, are you doing it? So a lot of the time with the coaching it becomes a, a case of implementation and a case of action. But, yeah, the marketing is – it's massively important. Just going back to the, the, the podiatry business, a lot of the stuff around the podiatry business, I thought originally that I was doing videos for my, my clients and my customers. And it turns out that actually I wasn't doing videos for my clients and my customers. I was actually attracting other people in my industry. And uh-huh. that was part of why I kind of went, you know what, this isn't where I want to be. Coaching and mentoring is is where I want to go instead and that was part that was part of the whole process which kind of turned my hand on that one but but yeah for, for me it's about offering huge amounts of value and when people want that support and implementation they want that that accountability they want someone to hold the hand a little bit and just help them forward that's where that's kind of where i come in what are one of their what's their like one of their one or two top concerns that they have uh that would they'd hire you to help resolve they're going to look silly on video that's that's one of the biggest ones I find is oh I don't I don't do video I'm my voice sounds funny or or I look funny or you know it, it that's that's one of the that's one of the biggest ones we get the other ones we tend to get are around changes in practice and pricing always comes up you know it's the pricing argument that if I if I change my pricing or I put my pricing up or you know I'll lose I'll lose customers I'll lose clients and. That's a really. I've been through that. I went through that mindset, you know, three years, three four years ago. I hadn't put my prices up for ages, and then I had. I, there was nothing I could do, and I, I had to go through that process. It's, it's more of a shock too when you have to jump it up that much. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I put my prices up. I think uh, my main price is up by something like thirty percent, and that's a massive. That's a massive jump in in business. 
But in terms of the number of patients who went elsewhere, it was a very, very small change, very, very small change. And suddenly you go, what, what was all the fuss about? Well, all the fuss was between my ears. You know, that is when most <laughs> of it goes on. But it's it's helping people to realize that the world doesn't end when you put your prices up. And actually, you put your prices up, it makes you probably less busy to begin with, which means that mm-hmm. you've got the time to, to set your, your clinic and your services up how you, how you want them to be set up. And it's... It's turning people's you know, mindset around. I know mindset gets thrown around a huge amount, but it, it's turning people's mindset around from one of of kind of scarcity that if they if they change something in their business, they're going to lose clients. To well, actually, if you change something in your business, you're going to attract the kind of clients that that want to be around you, and you're going to attract the kind of clients that you want to work with, and, and your results will improve as well. Just very, very, yeah, very big change on that. You know, when I was in Colorado working, I was charging like 45 and then went to China, came back to America and I was like, I'm going to charge 50 now. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do 50. I was talking to a buddy the other day. They're charging 65. I was like, whoa. I was like, my goodness. And so I was like, all right, well, I need to make sure I keep note of the prices that other people are charging because you don't want to be lower than everybody and you don't really want to be in the middle either. I don't know your theory on that. Sometimes you want to be a little bit higher than the average. Ah, don't worry about what anyone else is doing. It's, it's about it's about value. And if you have a business which offers immense value to your to your customers and your clients and your patients, and, and that value has to be it has to be defined by them. It can't be defined by you. Because when you come to that pricing decision, you bring your own baggage. You know, yeah. Would I buy a Ferrari? No, I wouldn't buy a Ferrari at all because I don't see the value in a Ferrari. I think they're beautiful cars, but I wouldn't buy one. Um, would I Would I buy a Honda? Yeah, I probably would buy a Honda because then I can see the value in that. Although I do love cars and I've had Hondas before. But you bring your own your own emotions and your own thoughts and your own feelings to the table. So... What's my one of my favourite phrases is it's a Mark Twain I think sure it's the Mark Twain phrase where he says what other people think about you is none of your business, and we make all these decisions based on pricing, looking at other people's pricing structure, and actually it's not the right way to do it. The way we should be doing it is we should be saying what do I want to earn? You know what is Ah. what is a reasonable or what is a what is a nice figure for me to earn to have the lifestyle that I want. And then you work it back and say, how many patients do I need to see together? And, and you know, can I can I see lots of patients at a higher cost or can I see, sorry, if you have a few patients at a higher cost or lots of patients at a lower cost to get there? What are my overheads? It's, you, you do it in that sense and decide what services you want to provide and what level of service you want to provide. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not about what other people are charging. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with this, though. Let's, let's say everybody else is charging between 60 and 70 and you're coming up and say, man, it's going to be 110. Yeah. Okay. So what's something, you know, but really you offer the same service. So what's the one way that you can increase the value that the patient perceives to want to spend the more money? Like what's like one or two things that we could, whether it's offering tea at the front desk or a hot towel at the end of the procedure or something. I, I, <laughs> yeah, hey, hot, hot towel so you can go to the washing up for me. Um, it's, you know, and that's a really interesting question. That's going to be very much an individual thing. I would say sit down and map out your customer journey. What is the ultimate experience that you want your clients to have from the moment they hear about you to the moment they've been treated by you and, and what they're going to say to, to their friends and their family? And if you could map out that journey and, and, and don't just think about, oh, well, I want them to come to the clinic and I want it to look clean. You know, you want them to go away from the clinic going, that wasn't just clean. That was that was immense. That was spectacular. You, you want to use almost like an exaggerated set of words to describe it. And yeah, if you if you're going to provide tea when they get there, don't just provide you know one tea, builders tea as we call it in the UK. Provide the most amazing set of tea. Make it so they want to come and spend more time there. Make make it so that they everything is no not too much trouble and one of one of the things which i think we do miss on is we we don't follow up on our patients enough we 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 see them in clinic and while we're there we look after them but after there's not that kind of aftercare there's not that checking up to make sure that they're all right mm-hmm. yeah i think it is you know if, if my if my mother was driving home after visiting me i would i want to make sure that she was home okay so i'd either say to you know i'd say to her contact me or i would contact her it's it's that common you know that common caring need right if you if you understand what your what the most amazing customer journey is, and then you provide that 
the, the amount you charge becomes almost irrelevant in some ways. As, lo- as long as you're covering your your costs and making a living out of it, it doesn't matter at that point. It doesn't matter at that point. So, yeah, the service, if I'm a podiatrist, it might be I provide nail care, may be exactly the same, but it's all the other stuff around it. That's the bit which makes the difference, and that's how you stand out. I love it. That's the kind of part that I was hoping you would answer because – that's the part that, you know, that's how you have to build, you know, you build value. I'm trying to, you know, I have a book and I try to sell it under like, you got to create a value and what else can you offer and what's the next ring on the ladder that you can offer? And I'm like, man, I don't know. I got to really think about this and, and map it out. And it's not easy work. So to have a coach to help you through that is going to be very beneficial in the long term. Because you, you, you do. I mean, I'm sure you're going through that process and going, no. That, that makes me feel really uncomfortable. I don't want to do that or I can't think of what to do next. And what the coach does is the coach says, look, you know, I've been in your shoes. I know what it feels like and I know what you're going through. Let me give you that that support to help you through that point. And, or let me just tell you that, look, everything is going to be OK. And what you're feeling at the moment is perfectly natural. Yeah. But you need to feel that in order to, to get the benefit at the other end. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of support which goes with it. What were some of your influential guides, authors or books or other podiatrists that you were mentored under that's really shaped the way you think about different things? You know, it, it, it's interesting. I, I, I see a lot of my kind of mentors and coaches are outside of podiatry. And that's it's not a deliberate thing. It, it's just the way the way things have gone. Um, in, terms, in terms of authors, you know, I, I, lo- I love Gary Vaynerchuk stuff. I have to say I really, really enjoy Gary Vaynerchuk stuff. Um, I will I will read anything personal development which of his because I think it's just even though it's not designed as personal development it is because of his approach to to customer service his approach to you make your your clients happy at, at, you know at, at every opportunity and you just show a massive amounts of value you step out to to make them happy at every point nothing else matters it, that is the most important thing and then when you've got that customer loyalty then you can you have that permission to to sell to them so i like the gary vaynerchuk stuff and i've got no so it's podcasting no one will be able to see behind but i've got i've got three or four shelves worth of personal development books in the background some amazing stuff and i'm i'm really enjoying at the moment a lot of the malcolm gladwell stuff he's good so He's good. Yeah, I mean, Outliers was Outliers is one of his. That was fantastic. Tipping Point was the one I've just read, which which was great. And it and it talks about you know thin slicing, the idea that you 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 take a small bit of information and can make a big decision off it. And that reminded me very much of my you know emergency nursing days, where somebody would come in and you have four hours with them to to take them from finding out what the problem is, offering a diagnosis, giving them treatment, and then either sending them home or sending them off to somewhere else. And you get that in a podiatry clinic. You don't get long with your clients. So you have to be able to make a difference to them very, very quickly and understand what their needs are. So Malcolm Gladwell stuff is is absolutely amazing. I'm just trying to think. You got me you got me on the run now. You see, that was a one of those questions I was never expecting. So I've got to take a I've got to take a look at my board now. But anything personal development for me is is just spot on. You know, I love I love the, the sort of the Wayne Dwyer stuff where you're you're almost looking at life and, and taking it as yeah that's cool that's not a problem. The the Jim Rohn stuff where it's about you know you're the average of the five people you hang around with, um, and that's kind of that's sort of the the, the book stuff that that I look at. Do you know, actually, it's really interesting. I was list, I'm listening to an audio book at the moment called They Ask, You Answer by a guy called Marcus Sheridan. Really interesting book. And it, it kind of embodies – see, I didn't even mention that book, did I? There you go. See, I mentioned it afterwards. And it kind of embodies that whole idea that, that you – if you have complete transparency in your business. So, for example, as a chiropractor, someone might turn around and say to you, well, okay, what exactly do you do – as part of your assessment or your adjustments or your, your treatment. And if you say, actually, this is this is a good example of what we do, people go, okay, you've answered my question. There was one point where they were talking about putting on <clears throat> prices on your website. Now, I've never had prices on my website because I've always been that little bit shy that they'll see the prices and go, no, too expensive and go somewhere else. Not even going to call. Exactly. But if you put your price on the website because it's this – what is it? There's how many? There's different. About three different levels of objection, isn't there? So there's the, you know, I don't understand what's going on. Um, I'm not sure about the person, or it's too expensive. And if you can put those three objections, you can answer questions which push those objections off the table. You've got more chance of a sale. So it's really interesting, you know, 
not putting information on because you're being a bit sort of secretive or a bit, what's the word I'm looking for, a little bit kind of um, not suspicious. What is it? Um, Elusive? Yeah, elusive. You know, you're trying to, this mystique, like you're covering yourself over and people go, oh, that's intriguing. I'd better go and have a look. It just doesn't work. People just go, yeah, if you can't be bothered, I'll go somewhere else. When, When you're talking about the prices on your website too, one, your staff may end up having to spend a lot of time convincing them to see you. Oh, that's that's a, that's pretty expensive. Now you got that's a whole other conversation. Where if they just saw it online, you already yeah. weeded out the price shoppers. So it frees you up. Yeah, and even if even if you've got the if you've got an element where yeah, it, you know, if we're, if we're talking about you know Swift or Clearnail, they've got a different price point. Now Surge has got a different price point. You might have your rehabilitation as a different price point. If you just say to people, look, it's going to be complex to tell you every permutation of treatment you know, options and pricing, but I can tell you that if you want to come and see me, this is the amount you pay, boom, at the beginning. And that is, you know, that's the minimum you'll pay. You'll pay that, and then whatever we decide to do after that, we'll, we, will, we will talk you through the price of that. And that seems, that seems to be a good way of doing it. So, yeah, there's different ways of doing it. It's cool. If we're looking at other people, there's there's a guy called Rob Moore who's in the UK. He's 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 brilliant. He's got a very non no sort of no nonsense approach to personal development. I love his stuff. Um, he's got a, he's got a podcast as well, which is which is absolutely awesome too. And and it and it's great listening to his stuff. Um, in podiatry, we've we've got oh we've we've got so many people, and for a small profession, we we really we really hit at a, at a higher level. And and we've got people like like Tony Gavin, who you've you've already met, Tony. Tony is, is wonderful for our profession um, with the stuff he does with Osgo. That that is great. We've, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, you know we've got we've got huge educators as well out there. You know we've got people like Emma Cowley or do I, do I call her Doctor Emma Cowley now? I'm never sure. Doctor Emma Cowley down in Plymouth. You know Jill Halstead. We've got all these people out there doing really cool things. We've got people like Ian Lenane who's doing a lot of mobilisation in the UK. We, there's so many people doing so many things, and I have to say, I look at them and I go. There's little bits of what they do, which which I just draw on for energy. So many, so many. Cool, I could I could just list off you know, a whole host of names. You know, Robert Isaacs, you know, Belinda Longhurst. You, the list goes on. But they're the pe- they're the people who I who I see on on my podiatry social media and give me really good energy and, and know that our profession is is if we all work together is going to be in a very good place. So yeah. Aside from that, of course, there's, there's the family. They always seem to get mentioned last, but um, but yeah, there's there's so many cool things out there, and every day I find something else which which I can I can look at, I can read, I can I can absorb, and I'll take something from it. And it might not be obvious at that point. I mean, I'm trying to think. We've got um, there's the there's the three coaches I I kind of work with at the moment. They're absolutely fantastic and influential. So yeah, so many things, so many things. That's what I like to hear. There's a variety. There's depth to it. And I'm probably not going to go and write all those people's names down. So uh, listen to it again, write it yourself, and you can yeah. Google them and find them on Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever and kind of see what these people are up to because uh, we have our own like that in ch- chiropractic. We, you find some names, you start Googling them, and you just sort of start following them on Facebook and you start learning some stuff and you figure out who's good with literature, who's good with you know, funny memes, yeah. <laughs> all kinds of fun stuff like, like that. Oh, you want you want you want you want memes? We can get you sorted on those. But each of like you know, each of those people, and there's 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 more names, and there's loads of people I could mention. You know, it's it's not a <laughs> they're not excluded for any particular reason, other than we haven't got days. But you know, they they're each they're experts and specialists and influential in their own particular field. Um, and that's that's really nice to be able to pick on those bits and, and bring it all together. And yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah. Well, we're gonna do a little more switching up because I know we gotta respect your time. I like to take it a little bit personal. Okay. We want to know who Dave James is, the the father, the husband. Um, but first, vacation. It's tough to do sometimes. We got our own businesses. We're we're always gonna be on the phone consulting with clients now. So how are you able to take more vacation if you don't take enough at the moment? No, it's interesting. When I when I had the business, I felt that certainly early on, you, you were there all the time for it, and there, there wasn't much time to to take vacations, to take holidays. And it was actually it was 2015. I just I was just finishing my master's degree, and my my wife turned around to me at the beginning of 2015, and she said, "We've not had a holiday for three years. We're we're taking Uh-oh. a holiday." 
So she kind of led that charge, and it was interesting because we, we went down to, to Wales, went down to, to South Wales, which is a place I used to go to as a child as well. Um, but we had to come back out for one day to go to my graduation ceremony. In, in. <laughs> so, so even on holiday, we still got dragged out to something else. But my wife basically put her foot down and said, we're going on holiday. And I went, okay, fine. And the reason I, I, I suppose I never really did holiday is that my week tends to be so varied and I tend to do so many different things that I never get bored. I, I never get to that point where it's you know nine to five, Monday to Friday, fall asleep at the weekend. It, it's not that kind of thing for me. And I, that, that's one of the things I've pushed all the way through. But yeah, we, we have a you know, we have a nice holiday each year. We, we go away for a week. I try and take time off at, off at Christmas and then kids' holidays and that kind of thing. But mostly I, for me, it's about, it's about being around for the kids. It's about being around for their, you know, plays and, and school events and concerts, that kind of thing, that, that cool stuff. Making sure we get time for a holiday, making sure it's in, it has to be in the diary. It's not if it's not in the diary. If there's if there's nothing blocked off and there's something comes up for me, it goes in the diary. And if you haven't got in there first, tough, you know. Yeah, stuff like that. Do you have any hobbies? Things that you do for stuff fun outside of business? <sighs> photography. Photography. I love love my photography. I, I don't do enough of it, and I, I and and I, I suppose because I do a lot more of the video stuff that that I can I can that's okay you know I'm still using a camera I'm still doing something with it but yeah I love photography and, and I think if I if I hadn't have got into you know hadn't stuck with, with podiatry and healthcare I probably would have moved across more into into photography and I yeah so I love it I, I started like weddings or like do you know I did, a, landscapes? I did a wedding did a wedding last year that's, Ooh, a, that's, that's a tough way. Yeah, you want you want to see how high a man's a man's heart rate can go for a sustained period? Go and photograph <laughs> wedding. But I loved it. I really loved it. And, and the people who you know the um, the couple Phil and Amy who had the, the the photos and that they loved it. And it was oh that was awesome. But I like for me that was that was the challenge of executing you know executing taking photos, knowing that they're going to look at those photos in twelve months time. And they're going to get memories which come back of their big day. And if I mess the photos up, I mess their memories up. So there's no, there's no pressure. So I did wedding. Wedding was cool. Love a bit of portrait photography. Um, really, I'm not much of a, I'm not much of a landscape person. But I, but I love getting out to Birmingham when the sun rises up and getting some nice shots of Birmingham in the summer. I sort of urban. I suppose it's, it's urban sunrises. They're quite nice. But yeah, photography, it's, it's, the, it's one of the few things which has stopped me going to prison, I think, is photography. Because it does keep me sane. So yeah, I love my photography. Um, what else do I have? I reading, love my reading. Um, cook a little bit when I when I get the chance. I I cycle, although I haven't done much over the last twelve months. But but cycling, I really enjoy. It just gives me gives me space. Um, and music, I absolutely adore music. Um, anything anything classic rock, anything which slips into the the prog rock kind of you know, modern prog rock arena, that kind of stuff I, I, I love and just uh, yeah. It was a prog rock band. Oh, modern stuff. So things like Tool. Tool is one of my favourite bands ever and they're not classic prog rock in any way. Uh, Porcupine Tree and Stephen Wilson, uh, you know, the Dream Theatre, Twiddly Twiddly stuff, which my wife hates. I love that kind of stuff. You know, really yeah. technical music and, you know, lyrics which they've thought about and music which goes on for days, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I love that. I got into... Um edm and like you know those types of you know beats and everything yeah <laughs> my wife just puts up with it sometimes. she's like i can't take it anymore you gotta turn it off <laughs> it's driving me crazy yes yeah, so so, have, have some headphones and go away okay yeah i enjoy it um how are you able to keep the love alive so that uh, you don't end up you know divorced and sad well, <laughs> the, the joke I say to, to people at the moment is I, I the reason I've got, you know, been married 14 years is that I, I, A, I know exactly what to say to my wife and B, I'm never at home. So, you know, that's the way to keep a marriage going forever. I think is to be somewhere else. I, I honestly think it's, it's about, it's about expecting that you're going to change and we're, we're going to develop and give it, you know, we give each other space. We, I, I love being around my wife and actually it's, it's great because we she she has a sense of humor which is able to deal with my sense of humor um and she's able to deal with me in my darkest moments and she's able to deal with me in my most hyper moments she she's got amazing skill for that i think it's it's when she worked in a and e she had to deal with so many people it was it's it's a similar thing but it's 
it's accepting that over over those 14 years, you know, three children, God knows how many house moves, master's degrees, degrees, changes in career, all of those things that we've we've both changed and we've both developed and we've both matured. And, it, and it's it's honoring that and it's accepting that. Um, and also knowing that, you know, the place we are at the moment, if it's if it's tough, isn't the place we're going to be forever. But I, I just try and surprise her with stuff. You know, I'll, I will buy her the, the cheesy set of flowers occasionally. But a lot of it comes down to little stuff. It's turning up and saying, you know, I can go and pick the kids up from school today or I can take the kids to school. It's those little things which just change the dynamic a little bit for all. Yeah, you know, you want to go and lie in bed? That's fine. Go and, go and have a lie down. I'll get up and I'll deal with, deal with the house before. You know, it, it's simple things like that. And it, it seems to work so far. Um, I still haven't learned how to... Pack the dishwasher properly, though it seems, even, even after this many years. But I, I think that's. I hear that. It's out my reach. It's out my reach. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Um, giving each other space, I think that's hugely important. You got your own thing. I got my own thing. Yeah. But then expecting the change—that's important too. Like you're not going to be the same person. Yeah. And the big piece, I think, is if you look at what does a housewife do from the 1950s and you're like, all right, I'm going to start doing some of those stereotypical roles. It goes a long way because for some reason, I think the stat was the wives are expected to work now 40 hours a week, but they still do 80% of the house chores. Yeah, absolutely. And that ain't good. So it's like, if you could just do that, it goes a long way. My, my wife... It's not like it's their job. It's just... Yeah. My wife works far harder than me. And, and you know, I, I get to go every day and talk to adults. She she deals with children or a dog or or, or both at the same time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm massively in awe of, of my wife's stamina and focus and and everything. And then, you know, three kids at home and then she deals with me and I'm like I'm like the fourth child. And and she has to put up with that on a, on a, on a daily basis. But But my wife is the... She's part of the catalyst is why I moved, I suppose, into coaching because she went through a huge amount of personal development as well. And I saw I saw the change going on in her and, and, and you try and resist it. You're like, no, 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 I don't need to change. It's fine. And then you see the positive effects which are coming from that other person. You go, I've, I've got to change. But yeah, my, my wife's awesome. She's yeah, she's she's absolutely fantastic on, on every level. She really is cool. So, yeah. Yeah, she's perfect. She's brilliant. I even tell her that. Well, to her face. <laughs> it's a shame I have to cut all this out of the, the interview. I mean, yeah. we just got to cut it for time, buddy. So sorry. Oh, so sorry, wife. No. <laughs> you wife. Love you. <laughs> please, please listen to my show. I talked good about you. Okay. No, but for real, that's amazing. Uh, it's it's good to see the banter. Um, we're gonna wrap it up here. Cool. Give us the website. More information. How can they find out about you and what's going on? Okay, how can you find out about me and what's going on? So, um, Twitter, if you do Twitter, Dave the Pod, so D A V E T H E P O D. You can get me on Instagram, it's Foot and Leg Magician on Instagram. If Facebook's your thing, you can find me. I've got a, couple, I've got a few places on Facebook. So, I've got my kind of business page, which is the, the Foot and Leg Magician. Um, I've also got a, a coaching group, which is called Stepping Up. So, if you've know, got healthcare people who want to come along and have a look at that, more than welcome. Um, I've got the website, so www.davethecoach.co.uk, and then there's the hello at davethecoach.co.uk as well. So you can usually find me in those places. If it's a professional thing, come and search Dave James on, on LinkedIn, if if that professional thing floats your boat as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm usually somewhere on the internet, definitely. And there's even, there's even a YouTube channel floating around as well, but uh, I need to work harder on that. Hey, real quick, I was looking at your page, and it might be somebody else, it might be wrong. There wasn't much going on with the page, was there? The Which one, the coaching one or the foot and leg magician one? Dave the coach. No, there's not a lot going on there at the moment. That, that tends to be a it, – it's going to have more action at some point, but that tends to be my – that's where I keep my messenger bot on the Dave the coach. Okay. Page. So I'm collecting stuff there. Yeah, I need, to, I need to do more with that. I need to drop some stuff in. But what I when I left the business, when I sold the business, that that page originally was the business page. Um, mm. Last year, probably earlier last year, about, about I think it was about April or May, I went right. I'm changing the name of this page, knowing that I was in the process of selling the business. And I went, I'm, I don't want to lose that chunk of of people who followed me in my videos over over the years. So yeah, so that's why it kind of came across. So having the coach page and the foot leg magician page, they're kind of like. I don't know which way to go. 
So it has. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that it will it will have more stuff on there as as it progresses. But I do a lot of the coaching stuff more in in my group. It was stepping up. Yeah. So, like everybody seems to be going to Facebook. So it makes sense. Yeah, I, I like Facebook. Facebook's great for community, so I really enjoy it. Very good. Dave James, podiatrist, the magician. Really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you. Appreciate being here. It's really cool. Thank you very much. Well, that wraps up another episode. If you can, send me a review. That's .net slash subscribe. Apple, Google, Stitcher, Android devices. You just click that button. It'll take you exactly to the page you need to. You can write a review, hopefully a five-star review. Like I said, it does help for other people to discover what we're doing here. And one thing I haven't really talked about too much is the doctorsperspective.net slash support page. If you want to buy a, host a cup of coffee, go for it. If you want to pledge a little higher fee, there's buttons for that. There's even monthly recurring. For those who feel like, wow, this is like the cheapest mentor coach program I've ever seen because you interview so many different kinds of doctors and, and I've been able to implement things that I've heard and it works. So monthly recurring payments, which also can get you my books for free, t-shirts for free. Uh, the first book, you know, that deals with health and exercise, getting on a diet, getting your financial health in order as well. Things I've learned in China. You know, that book is available as well. And one thing that I don't have, I don't have like a, a full-blown page about coaching and things, but there's a little button there. I've had people request, hey, doctors and non-doctors asking me, can I do more than just answer a couple of questions? Or could you be my coach for a little while? And I say, yeah, we can do that. So it's something I haven't really advertised, but it's something that I can do and do, whether it's marketing, some strategies for new patients, growth, those types of topics. If you're interested, just email me, justin at a doctorsperspective.net. If you have any ideas for guests, please send me an email, justin at a doctorsperspective.net. I'd love to hear who you think would be good or a profession that you may not have heard yet. And we've got over 100 episodes. This is going to be like our third year. Super excited. We're going to have a little mini series like we've been doing, which has been fun. Hope you've enjoyed them as well. That's, that's the feedback I've gotten. I want to remind everybody that we have some great affiliate links available. If you're into instrument-assisted soft tissue manipulation, we've got the Edge tool and we've got the Hawk Grips. Saves you about 10%. Also with the edge, you've got the uh, like blood pressure cuff restriction system. You've got the G Suite inexpensive EMR in case you'd like doing cash practice. And of course, I got my own electric acupuncture pin to go with the no needle acupuncture book. From time to time, you know, I'll have a bundle set where you can get them all together for a great price. I also have the free downloads at doctorsperspective.net slash blueprints. And what lately I've been doing is substituting a fifth one. Like I've done a knee and depending on the guest, I might do a different type. So check back there. You've got the Primal Paleo grass-fed protein, bone broth style. Save 10% on that. No sugar, allergy-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, all those types of things. Mentor box, get taught by the author. We got set for set for those floss bands that you may have heard about on one of the episodes. I really like those. If you want to know what hosting I use for podcasting, it's Blueberry. Pure VPN, that's one of those ones I use to help keep my payments secure as well as access the internet more safely. Any Amazon products that you might want, click the link in the show notes pages. So all those resources can be found at doctorsperspective.net slash resources. There's also t-shirts at .net slash t-shirts. Put up some new designs from time to time, like making lemons out of lemonade, shrimp po' boy, plus all the chiropractic and podcast swag that you could want. As always, listen, critically think, and implement. Have a great week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guest. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.